Yes. So That's very poetic. Yeah, why is, yeah. is evil required? I mean, you yeah, exactly. <laughs> Dissolved and yes, also, why yes, does it come yes, into play? Yes. What exactly is yes. evil? So you see, when people didn't have houses, and they just lived wherever they they made a little den or something or whatever. It's like it's my place. Now, slowly they started building houses. So what happened when they built houses? They wanted to at least keep their house nice. Okay. This is the impulse which comes in. Okay, this is my space. So my space is a manageable bit which I can make it good. If you say, Pure city ko saaf kar do. You know, it's very difficult. Okay, somebody will saaf karo. Somebody will come and do it. But you say ki, each one clean your own house that is within your reach. So human beings ko, this is a illusion given to human beings that this is me, this part of nature. Essentially, nature is one. It's like one vast ocean. But it is given, ki, okay, this is my bit of the ocean. My bit of water which I see around. So what the ego sense does, it's a mechanism of nature which makes us identified with certain forces of nature and makes us feel this is me. This thought is mine. How can you contradict my thought? My opinion versus your opinion. People fight over opinions. My viewpoint versus your viewpoint. People, There have been wars to convert others to your viewpoint. It sounds so strange. My ideology versus your ideology. Now why does nature create this illusion? Is Because first you have to get crystallized and formed as an individual. Why you have to do it? Because now in man there has to start a conscious evolution. Before man there is no ego sense. In lower animals there is no ego sense. Why does the ego sense come? Because man is that state where you have to now consciously connect with the divine. So how do you consciously connect? One of the means is to offer. Now what will you offer? That which is yours. It is not yours. But you have to get the sense it is mine. Think about it this way. If divine came and asked me ki give something, so I am going to change it. So supposing I, uh, you know, say ki achha, ye pankha bahut achha, aap le jao. So aapke man mein kya khayal aayega? Mane aayega nahi aayega, wo alag baat hai. Aap bologi, ye to sar ne bada smart kaam kiya. Pankha to unka hai nahi. Yeah, I'll just pick up his mobile and say, Aap le jau mere taraf se. Toh bolega, Dwanil ki ye mobile toh tha nahi unka. Mera mobile utha ke dhe diya, credit khud le liya. Woh divine ko bhi pata hai ki woh kiska kya hai. Par jo hamare shetra mein, what is within our so-called me, that I can offer. So first I have to crystallize myself. This process of crystallization is the formation of the ego individuality. It's a very important stage of evolution. When we are driven by social forces, then what is it that I am offering? There is nothing mine. 
then I am like a little animal pushed by all kinds of forces. That is an unconscious evolution. Still we will evolve. But it's a very slow unconscious evolution. It's like an animal. But human beings have to make choices and believe that they are making choices and based on their choices, uh, this is me and this is not me. By this they begin to crystallize themselves. And when they crystallize themselves, then they make an offering ki mere andar ye aise hai, this is what I don't like, this is what I like, you, I give it to you. Then the process of change starts. And each such unit has to consciously offer. So ego individuality is a necessary stage. There is a other, another reason for it. Because if the divine wanted to only manifest himself in uh, a vague nebulous collectivity, then you don't need ego individuality. But he wants to express himself in a multiple way. Eko ham bahushyami. How do you create multiple? We go back to the origin that he created jivatma as many centers within himself. Each such jivatma sends something of itself around which forces of nature begin to get crystallized. And those forces are necessary for what the jivatma will eventually represent. Let me give a very practical example. Supposing somebody is meant to represent the strength aspect of the divine. So, uska jo nature hoga na, bahut warrior nature hoga. Warrior nature ka crude form kya hai? What do people call him? Jagadalo. Quarrelsome. Har baat par jagada karta hai. हर बात पर इसको न्याय चाहिए है ना वारियर नेचर का ये स्टार्ट कहां से होता है फॉर एवरी स्मॉल थिंग नो दिस इज माइंड यू गॉट टू गिव मी आई विल नॉट लेट यू हैव इट दिस नेचर इज बीइंग गिविंग द एक्सपीरियंस टू द डीप इनसाइड टू द साइकिक लिटिल स्पार्क टू अल्टीमेटली एट वन टाइम वार फॉर ट्रूथ एंड लाइट बट राइट नाउ ही स्टार्ट्स विद दिस लिटिल बैटल because otherwise he can't straight away fight the war for truth and light. He'll faint. <laughs> so it starts from there. Slowly, slowly, one after another, he reaches a point when he is ready for war for the light and truth. That's where the Sudharma comes in. And then he is ready for Sarv Dharman Paditya Mame Kamsha Whatever I am, I offer myself to you. Now, when one does that, then one is ready for the new consciousness. So, formation of ego individuality is a necessary process in evolution. Because in man, evolution has become conscious. You can't offer something which is not yours. That's why when people say, I have surrendered myself to the divine. The divine mother says, it's not enough. What are you surrendering? First, you become conscious. So, ego individuality makes us conscious of what is within me. Now, how do we handle? It's not within, but we feel like that. So, how does ego individuality handle it? It says in the beginning, "Ne ne, ye sab jo ganda chiz hai na, mere andar nahi hai. Oh, padasi ke andar hai. All the bad things are in my neighbor and others. I'm a good guy, isn't it? A universal illusion. Best guy in the world is me, and I'm targeted and singled out by the whole world." Whereas, next level is when you begin to see, no, 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 I have all the things which others have. Then you start the process of offering. That's why self-righteousness prevents offering. Self-righteous people only fool themselves that they are very good guys 
and others are the bad guys. But in reality, all the forces of nature move everybody. They just take different forms. So then we begin to offer this crystallization is important. So it's important also to know how to create an ego individuality. So the best way to create an ego individuality in the best possible way. I'm talking of those who have not entered into the spiritual evolution. And in all good societies, it was like that. You pick up your highest center of thought and you organize your life around that. Whatever is the highest center of thought. So that becomes a, your ego individuality. Then you start saying, Ki, this I am offering to you. Mother gives another example. It's about ice cream. So, you know, to... Ice cream banane ke liye aap pehle do do sab banake phir ek ek saanche mein dalte ho. Wo jo saancha hota hai na wo ego individuality hai. And that is how the one becomes the many. Because each psychic then takes this experience and grows through that. Through some lives. Then it becomes a full-fledged psychic being. Then it begins to offer. Then the ego individuality begins to uh, go away and in its place something new and more beautiful can come in at least that individuality that's why it's a long process is it important for uh, children as they grow till a certain stage of their life to first attain the ego very important that's why and that is happening very important before, that before even the idea of spirituality is introduced to them or they might get yes between the two no, no, no. Spirituality as the final, you know, giving up of the ego that comes much later. They have to go through the steps. Otherwise, people can get completely confused. That's why there is a very interesting phrase in the Gita. Um, you know, the one who knows the truth does not delude others by his knowledge. Oh, you have to get rid of the ego. There are people who say that, you know, uh, let's imagine a scenario. Where a lady is practicing spirituality and wants to get rid of the ego. And the husband is just knows she is practicing spirituality and tells her, Main kuch bhi karun. Tum chup chup sahen karo. You bear with me. Because you know you have to get rid of the ego. Your scripture says so. So ego giving up is not becoming a doormat. You don't have to sacrifice the ego at the altar of other egos. But at the one true altar which is the divine. So what happens when you don't have... Normally what happens when we are guided only by social and external codes of conduct. We have never given a thought. So we don't have an ego individuality. This is a big problem in India incidentally. Very big problem because you are always driven by society. What others want. Always somebody else calls the shots and decides for you. It's either the parents or the society at large, the religious to which you are. This is the, so there is no ego individuality. And therefore you will see that the evolution gets stopped. It gets stuck at this point. You, people can't go beyond even the religion. Because you know, it's like, nahi nahi, amare shastro mein likha hai. Because you have never learned to choose. But ego individuality is formed by making your choices. When you tell your parent, no, you, you, it's okay, you have led your life your way. I want to lead it my way. It starts from there. Children are doing it. 
नेचर इज ई विल मेक श्योर दैट नाउ बिकॉज वी आर एंटरिंग द फेज ऑफ इवोल्यूशन वेर ईगो इंडिविजुअलिटी विल बिकम इंडिस्पेंसिबल एंड इफ वन इज स्टिल मदर इज गॉन ऑन टू से इफ यू आर स्टिल लिविंग बाई सोशल आइडियाज देन यू आर नॉट रेडी टू इवन स्टेप इन टू द स्पिरिचुअल लाइफ सो इट विल हैपन वेदर वी लाइक इट और नॉट वी हैव टू गो थ्रू दैट If one is still driven by social forces, I'll give you many examples. You, you know, uh, I've I've met people and heard these things. Oh, you know, I wanted to come to ashram, but kya kare? Mere jija ke tau ke bete ka saadi ho gaya. Fine, you made a choice. You made a choice. You can't, you know, hang on like this between ten things. and then expect that there will be a big transformation one day then at 50 or 60 one start saying oh likha hai books mein all this is written but it is not you know then the gita will become just a scripture you read every day but don't follow it but spirituality is not like that all spiritual beings were fiercely individual all the avatars were fiercely individual look at rama people paint him like a extremely obedient son and all that look at rama fiercely individual when he goes to the jungle you know then later on all of them request him no no it's okay you know i said in a moment you don't have to fulfill rama was not going out of just mere obedience rama was already on the path of yoga he was practicing samta because he knew his mission is to destroy the asuras he took it as an occasion that okay fine this is a chance i get to come to terms hand to hand and practice equanimity that is there in the ramayana itself rama was not just and you know people have derived from that a whole idea whatever your parents say you must obey because see how rama did so if parents tomorrow say ask dauri otherwise burn the bride you should follow it that's how the logic went which is very unfortunate that's why we see the samaj did not evolve it started degenerating but all spiritual beings look at shiva fiercely free his father in law is calling him he doesn't go <laughs> he doesn't call him he says i don't want to go look at krishna fiercely individual all the great saints sages look at buddha swami vivekananda this is a very interesting story somebody told about swami vivekananda ki you know shankaracharya does not say this what you are saying you know what swami vivekananda told back yes but i vivekananda says so <laughs> it's my experience buddha what not he must have heard from people kaisa aadmi tha ghar chhod diya chinta nahi ye kya karega बहुत गलत किया यही सब बोला होगा ना लोगों ने उस समय के <laughs> क्या राजा राजधर्म छोड़ के चला गया बट बुद्धा नोज हिज हार्ट इज मूव बाई कंपैशन एंड दी बर्निंग अर्ज टू फाइंड सॉल्यूशन दैट्स वाई बुद्धा इज बुद्धा सो एनीवन यू टेक एनी एग्जांपल इन स्पिरिचुअल लाइफ ऑफ ए सिंगल पर्सन हुज अचीव्ड एनी वर्थ इट दे ऑल है इंडिविजुअल this is necessary and it's god's will that's why eko ham bahushyami if he wanted to create everybody the same then animal creation is good enough but he doesn't want that look at the beauty he wants that each one represents one aspect of the divine and they come together and weave a wonderful dance and that is very challenging
so it's a necessary stage without which one cannot really enter if one wants to be a social person then be a social person it's all right one will get lot of accolades people will say are kitna badhiya dekho but uh, if one wants to be a spiritual person then you have to follow what the divine wants us to follow that's what is called sincerity society may say what happened with mira yahi hua na mira ke sath society ne kya nahi kaha hoga we today rever her as a saint think of a scenario where you know Uh, she leaves the house and wanders alone even today if a woman does that what will people say what did mira do mira wanders alone goes into court sings now it's okay <laughs> we call her saint <laughs> but those days look at the uh, individuality of this lady the courage held with everybody to me krishna is the ultimate so that's the process very important which means teaching children at a more pragmatic level how to make choices they have to make choices this this thought that papa says so therefore you must do has to go out if you don't behave well what will auntie think go out you make a choice you go through the consequences you will make wrong choices doesn't matter at least you are making a choice make a choice so learn to make choices initially and then appeal to the intellect when the child grows up initially appeal to the psychic sense do you think it's a beautiful thing you just said so the child probably you know after some time will say na yeah good very nice do you think you you feel not like i am saying not to say this no that's not a choice you made a choice and with everything then when grows up little more maybe 13 14 even before that sometimes consequences sometimes you have to allow children to go through those consequences you don't allow to go through consequences then the child never learns then when the child grows up then appeal to the reason discuss it's a long process children can be very taxing <laughs> no i don't care we have to discuss sometimes hours because they are now rational beings and it's good because they will their mind will be shaped carved don't uh, get agitated kyo it sun nahi raha hai mere baat doesn't matter carve when you are like an artist chipping what you are doing through all this not that he must listen to me no he must learn to reason that's all that is your object i have spent like that sometimes hours you know discussing with my son and then later on i would tell him don't think i am taking away the right of cho- choices all the time doing is i want to sharpen so now he understands oh he is discussing because he wants to i want to discuss with you as a friend tell me why you are doing it have you done this that then he is free to make choices but when we make choice that's why even about marriage about children everything they should choose whom they will marry what they will do where they will live whether they will live in india abroad wherever it is what profession they will undertake hamare yahan sab choices to koi aur karta hai we don't even know and it's it's a irony because such a fire 
in the Indian heart endowed with spiritual life. But it doesn't come out because it's buried under. Ultimately, you end up that I must carry gifts. I must carry gifts. I must carry gifts. I must carry So, where is the true life? I'm being very honest. You have to be brutally honest if you want to lead a spiritual life. Samaj wale bolenge, bolne do. Sachai to sachai hoti hai na. So, that's the problem. So, teach the children to make choices. You don't need that now, isn't it? <laughs> but, <laughs> teach them to make choices. Very important. Let them not become clones. Yeah, that's it. The father is hearing. <laughs> बहुत बार हम लोग चाहते हैं बच्चे हमारे क्लोन बन जाएं। I have a question. Yeah. What what I mean I'm very I love uh, Sanskrit as a language. Uh, there are always two three thousand thoughts come when I approach Sanskrit. Um, so what do you think is is the role and how it how it can help in evolution, basically, when people say that it's no longer there and nothing is happening, or all with one look for there. No, this question is a very good question on Sanskrit. It's a very good question. There are two sides to this question. One is the individual side, individual evolution. The second is collective evolution. Now, language, if you ask now on a larger scale, collectively, Language does help in evolution. You know, the kind of words we use, the expressions, the sounds. You know, one of the ways to treat people is calligraphy. It's used. Calligraphy actually helps. I have myself prescribed it to some people that even children, you know, when they practice this, essentially it's, uh, it's very therapeutic when they write beautifully. So every language has its own uniqueness and Sanskrit because it has developed from a, from a state of consciousness which you know um, that's why it's called Deva Bhasha the kind of expressions now I'm not going into the beauty of Sanskrit as a language but just about so if we teach children Sanskrit leaving aside the many other researches that you know it helps in uh, speech as a therapy it helps in certain illnesses, but I am not going into that. But just teaching Sanskrit, simple Sanskrit to children. It is a great help just by the sound and the expressions to help the evolutionary process, to refine the being. There is no doubt about it that Sanskrit refines the being. Look at the expression, some of the expressions. So if you greet people, what do you say normally? Hi, hello, good morning. These are the expressions. What do you say in Sanskrit? Do pranam. What does it mean? Pranam. So it's a beautiful term, so significant. Yeah, namaste. Main naman karta hon. Kisko naman karta hon? Aapke andar ki divita ko naman karta hon. Ye bhaav hai uske andar, implicit hai. 
it's something very beautiful just to live by now naturally we have lost that thought behind it so it becomes just a mechanical process so there are many aspects you can take anything for example take the name of god what are the terms used to say god normally in english you would use a generic word god now the word divine has also come but look at some of the names in sanskrit so you have uh, for example isha upanishad starts with the name of god what is called in isha upanishad god called in isha upanishad isha vasyam idam sarvam yat kinchit jagatyam he is called isha isha literally means the lord lord of what all this nature or you have the word vasudeva what is vasudeva vasu vas comes from vastra that which you wear around you so this entire nature if you take it as a vastra he is the one who is wearing this vastra he is vasudev one who is in imminent godhead in creation the very name brings that out all the name narayana who is narayana jo nar is his dwelling place the god hidden in the human heart narayana you don't have to further qualify you know in every human being narayana dwells are narayana means that okay so you can take anything sanskrit is a very refined language there is no doubt about it and i would say one of the most refined languages i can't uh, vouch say for it because then i have to know all the languages i do believe that french also is a very refined language this my Uh, personal impression sanskrit is a very refined language and when you teach refined languages to children their consciousness tends to get refined this is one part of it but the other more personally that you know we all should learn sanskrit for our spiritual progress that is not true there have been mystics all over the world you may i mean which language did ramakrishna paramahansa know Shurbindo knew Sanskrit and everything, but did he became the master of yoga by knowing Sanskrit? The mother, she knew Sanskrit much later. She read that. So spiritual evolution at a certain point it depends on nothing except your aspiration and sincerity of your aspiration. One may know Sanskrit and yet be a, a same scoundrel. I have seen people who are you know who teach Sanskrit in. places but they are uh, the same egoistic human beings who are worried about their own pay package but it does help nature it refines nature and if somebody is fortunate to learn it from childhood is wonderful in ashram school for example everybody learns sanskrit french and mother tongue so since some of you have idea of school it it's something very simple and beautiful and as an individual if you feel like learning it surely one can learn it anything which you feel like learning you have the joy of learning it but uh, it should not be associated with oh somebody knows sanskrit bahut bada koi as you said vidwan hai vidwata ka isse koi lena dena nahi hai vidwata is something very inner kabir das the guru nanak they didn't know any of these languages they are great mystics all over the world 
So, but every child should know if children, you know, matrabhasha also. It's very important. The unique um, uh, touches of your own mother tongue. Shobindo, in fact, if you read through his uh, system of national education, he says that every child till seven years of age must know his mother tongue. It's not necessary to expose to any other language. A child will pick up. If you have, because, you know, you are interacting every day in your mother tongue. And children pick up the, the richness of a language through which they can express all their feeling states. It comes very naturally. So in ashram school again, every child is taught mother tongue. Later on you can diversify. Separately, I mean, children come from all over India and other places. So everyone learns. Everyone. Everyone. You want to learn Punjabi, Odia, Gujarati, Marathi, everyone. Kannada. There are different languages. Spanish, French, Latin, Greek. See, if you go into the language, language is one of the uh, first natural means, sound and the word, through which the deep depth of a human consciousness begins to express itself. That's why Vak Shakti and all this, uh, you know, Saraswati who is the originating creatrix consciousness. So it all starts with word. Of course, word in the spiritual sense is the first vibration. So language is a means to embody this vibration. That's why there is a Paravak and there is the Pashyanti walk and the Vek Madhyama and the Vekri. This is Vekri, the most external. But it should become a means of expressing the, uh, the absolute power. That's what Savitri is about. But this is a means given to us to express that power into creation. That's why you see by the power of the word he created. You have those stories that August Rishi, by the power of the word he broke open the caves. So this is the power of the word. And of course the word is originally, it is the vibration. It's not word as we understand. This is the external word. But human speech is meant to embody it. Before the word comes the sound. So every in all the words you have these two aspects. You have the sound and you have the substance. Together they embody the force. In higher animals you have the sound. Not yet the meaning or the substance. And through sound they communicate. But there is a limitation. Human throat voice has the maximum octaves possible. So that's why even beyond meaning, beyond music, you have the power of the word. That's why you see all these great scriptures through the word. So we can read something from Savitri about the mantra. So here Shubindu is telling us a way to go beyond the outer body of the word, which is the meaning and the sound, and come in contact with the consciousness, which is behind it. As when the mantra sings in yoga's ear, its message enters stirring the blind brain, and keeps in the dim ignorant cells its sound, The hearer understands a form of words 
and musing on the index thought it holds he strives to find he strives to read it with the laboring mind but finds bright hints not the embodied truth then falling silent in himself to know he meets the deeper listening of his soul the word repeats itself in rhythmic strains thought vision feeling sense the body's self are seized unutterably and he endures in ecstasy and an immortal change he feels a wideness and becomes a power all knowledge rushes on him like a sea transmuted by the white spiritual ray he walks in naked heavens of joy and calm sees the god face and hears transcendent speech and there is a flip side of it also since the word is power what we speak we should be very careful about several places mother has spoken about this that even what we think we should be careful about because our thoughts affect others they influence others because when we speak we are projecting certain vibrations into earth atmosphere and they have their effect and even thoughts are subtle vibrations which are going into the earth atmosphere having an effect you see a whole section of buddha's teachings are directed towards control of thought and control of the mind and speech it's a very important organ what we speak why we speak how we speak it's a yoga in its own right one can almost use the term yoga of speech just like you have therapy of speech conserving speech tremendous power one can gain and at one place mother has gone on to say those who use speech for slander and gossip with a malicious slander it is like committing spiritual suicide so careful one has to be of speech so speech training is very important for children for grown ups for all of us well i would ask one question yes please um so i was thinking about the concept of flow and uh, so for example if i'm doing hatha yoga or meditating or doing some activity that kind of occupies my mind in a way that uh, uh, there are less conscious thoughts even like dancing um, how do you integrate that to your daily life it is wonderful so special practices of yoga 
help in creating a background consciousness. And as I'm sure you must have noticed, <coughs> that this background consciousness then remains for some time. Say soon after meditation, if you go out and for some time you will remain in that what is called as a meditative state or a meditative atmosphere. But then after a while it will lose it because uh, the collective life all around is like that, it absorbs us and initially we are not strong enough spiritually, it is also true. You know it's like um, when a big oak tree is still a small little sapling or a plant, still it can be uprooted by the storm. But when it grows into a big banyan tree, then you know it is impervious to everything. That's why in every yoga, uh, there are certain proscriptions and prescriptions initially. So prescription is do this, do this, do this, like the practices. But there are certain proscriptions which also need to be taken into consideration. So, a free mixing with anyone and everyone. In the ashram context, it was to that extent that uh, mother did not encourage too much of vital interchange, you know, with all kinds of people, because then you lose it much faster. So, say, when in from a meditative state, I am traveling, let us say, in a train or um, working in my office, I should be careful of my interactions so that and and how to know who is the person we know it there are there are some interactions where somehow this state remains there are some where uh, you know too much of vital is drawn away so it's for us to study ourselves certain kinds of events completely may suck away marriages for example frankly you know and attending weddings especially big fat indian weddings Suck away. You just imagine, you know, by the time you are out of that, you are drained or you may feel exuberant. But actually, you know, it's not a very good thing from the spiritual point of view. So, there are certain events and circumstances, places. Initially, there is a time when nothing matters. Then it's a big banyan tree and uh, you can go anywhere. Uh, even people with whom one, you know, you know, exchanges, sits together and eats, the programs one watches, all this one has to be careful about. These are the proscriptions of yoga, which are important to take into consideration. So, all life is yoga comes later. First, it is like you are navigating through a narrow passage. So, it's like entering into a more and more narrow and concentrated practice because you want to remain concentrated. You don't want to lose that consciousness. Then, a time comes when it enters into a great wideness. Then all is sky and God. But this is the middle phase. This is one. Second is that a practice which should complement these special practices, let's say of Hatha Yoga, is what is beautifully given in the Gita is remember and offer. There are very nice two phrases in the Gita where it says, if you die remembering me, you come to the highest state. But then the Gita gives the other part. Therefore, even while engaged in the great battle of life, remember and offer. So I found it one of the best uh, uh, things in practice and there have been months when I would drive the scooter and my whole concentration would be in the heart where I would be just calling ma, 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 ma and one can pick up a mantra or an image and to practice this inner concentration while one is going through life. 
this is the second part of this whole journey where one carries it then comes a third level where the work i am doing now this is about inner state one has an inner state let's say that one has gone through these two levels then comes the work that i am doing is it the work that is the expression of the divine will or is it that i am doing uh, you know just out of the past sanskaras of nature uh, because i am compelled to do so here comes a choice that one makes in the yoga of withdrawal from life one says it doesn't matter it's my past sanskaras i detach myself and continue doing it but a yoga which gets back upon life one has to then begin to in that quietude seek the divine will and it may not come initially doesn't matter but if one is persistently offering whatever one is doing and aspiring a time will come when the entire inner being will the you know the chick is ready to hatch and it will begin to show us a subtle indication that no this is the direction that we must take course this is this was there as part of the journey in ignorance because of many forces at play now there is a journey in light so another kind of set of forces are going to come into play and then one must follow it faithfully so these are the three levels then of course then perfecting the instruments comes with shobindu yoga but up till here the traditional yoga especially the yoga of the gita guides us so to special practices to supplement with prescriptions initially then to remember and offer all this can go together then to aspire for the divine will to express itself through the actions whatever one is doing and then finally the divine will decides what action i would do that is there is a word called in the used in the gita sarva sankalp sanyasi where uh, i have given up my personal will and wait for the divine will to express itself so this would make the steps and stages of the yoga in everyday life but one thing should be very clear that two kinds of life don't go together one has to make a choice pass through this phase of narrowing then when one is in that state then it's a different story altogether then we are you know uh, all the time in that god consciousness but one should not presume that one has arrived there so for a long time it's important whom one is meeting where one is going and especially collective gatherings this may not directly be but in india too many things social social and it's not not very good from spiritual point of view that's why in ancient times spiritual people often retreated into isolation because there was the only way to safeguard and the term which is used to explain this is sincerity that's where sincerity counts see everybody knows about the practice it's all there <laughs> sincerity is about that that you know how far i am willing to go in living this life and one has to go through that phase when one may be misunderstood one may be considered impractical all these things will come but i personally look at it very simply that <coughs> if you have made a choice then you have made a choice as simple as that so this is if choice that this is what i want and nothing else can satisfy my thirst then why not put oneself uh, fully into the fire bonfire wo kehte na til til karke jalne se kya fayda hai jal jao ek bar burn yourself completely 
rather than getting burnt in bits and pieces. It's a very painful thing to prolong that journey. <laughs> so become an Agni Kund and throw yourself into that. Okay, that's a beautiful state to be in. One line from Savitri which describes this state beautifully. He mounted burning like a cone of fire. State of Ashupati. When he is retreated from all the noise of earthly life and its tramp, then he is in that state. When he is indifferent to doubt and to belief, death lay below him like a gate of sleep. Another state of the yogin described in Savitri is Obedient to a high command, she sat. Savitri is now sitting to discover the secret of this uh, transformation. How she can be a victor over death and be a master of fate. So it Shubindu describes so beautifully. Obedient to a high command, she sat. Time, life and death were passing incidents. Obstructing her view with a transient sight. So many things will happen. We should not be dragged into it. Because this is the this is what is called as the seat of the yogin. This is it that I want. And then obstructions will come. Obstacles, many th- distractions, many things will draw us. Fine. A basic detachment through all this process. Alright, so we meet tomorrow and uh, continue. Thank you.